are back once again, feeling fantastical. It is that time of the year where the top players in the universe are a hop skip away from my house, and I feel pretty good about it. This is the Indian Wells episode. Figaroa, how are you feeling? I'm good. I'm good too, man. Uh, Alcaraz is in town. Uh, you might catch him at your local 7-Eleven. Um, this is episode 134, and that's beautiful because three plus four is seven. So Lucky number. It's a lucky number if you think about it hard enough. And yeah, I'm excited, man, because this is one of those times of the year where I have a lot to say because I'm seeing it in person. Um, where do you want to start today? What do you want to discuss? Yeah, so we're going to start with um, the women's draw. So I got the draw for the top four seeds. So Iga is going to play a very, she has a bye. Uh, the third round match can get uh, actually very tricky. She uh, might play Andrescu. Ooh. Then in the fourth, she's she might play hard-hitting Hadid Maya, who made it to the uh, Montreal final. Hmm. Then uh, maybe Garcia in the quarterfinals. That's a crazy quarterfinal. And Garcia got, does fairly well with Iga. Yeah. So that would be a very interesting match. Savalenka, she could face Vekic in the third round. Mm. Uh, the rematch from Dubai with Krishkova, mm. who beat all the top three. Yeah. So that's a potential fourth round match. Oh, my goodness. So that would be extremely interesting if it gets to that. Mm. Then we have uh, Pagula has an actually fairly interest, uh, very easy uh, road to the final. Mm. Uh, she's playing Georgie. Uh, Kavitova maybe in the fourth round Sakari in the uh, quarterfinals so that's a little easier in my opinion yeah <clears throat> and then Jabor is going to play Azarenka in the fourth round that would be a good one mm-hmm. and uh, Kazakina who's the number eight seed in the quarterfinals mm. so that's the draw for the top four in okay. the women do you have any thoughts on that yeah it sounds pretty interesting you know what's funny is it sounds like our number one seed has the toughest route to the final so you know, I believe, didn't she win last year? Iga? Yes, yeah, I believe yeah, so. Yeah, Iga yes. won last year. So she's going to have some points at stake here. A little bit of extra pressure and maybe that big gap she has between her and the rest of the tour will shrink just a little bit when she has to get through that death pit to get to the final this year. Yes. So that'll be interesting to see. I'm excited for some of those matchups. Yeah, yeah. They, they're actually fairly good. And then uh, we have some very interesting uh, doubles matches, combinations for the women. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously, the one seed is uh, Krishkova and Sinukova, so that that's expected. But he, here's where it gets a little interesting. We get Fernandez and Townsend. Mm. So that's a very interesting matchup uh, 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 together. F- for our listeners, what can we tell them about Fernandez and Townsend? They uh, might know about Fernandez, but probably not Townsend. Yeah, Townsend was a, a top prospect. She was supposed to be the next big thing, similar to Donald Young. Yeah. A big lefty hitter. Um as you know, Fernandez made it to the finals of the U.S. Open, uh, losing to Raducanu. Yeah. So that that's a very good uh, uh, pairing there. You have uh, Collins, Danielle Collins, who uh, she's she's a collegiate champion, two-time collegiate champion. She's playing doubles. Mm-hmm. You got Badosa and Rabakina playing together. Crazy. So that's a very very interesting um, pairing there. Yeah. You have. Lynette, who made a deep run in Australia, losing to Sabalenka in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. She's playing with Katie McNally, who used to play with Coco Goff. That's a crazy team, too. So that's a very crazy team. Then you have Andrescu and Putinsova. 
Now, I did bring this off off air. Putin Sova, her big uh, claim to fame was beating Osaka at Wimbledon. Yeah. And she did nothing but top spin the heck out of her. Mm-hmm. And Osaka was just tearing her hair out. And then you have Andrescu, who just, she'll do anything to win. Slice, drop, top, whatever it takes. Every shot in the book. So, so that's going to be, it can get dirty for yeah, sure. That's going to be a fun one. Right. And then you have, of course, you have um, um, the number two seed, which is Pagula and Coco Goff. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts of the pairing for the women's doubles? Honestly, there's going to be some hot matches. And for anyone who has never watched women do- women's doubles, this is one of those tournaments where you should definitely tune in. Um, do your best to either catch it live, stream it, or go in person. But women's doubles is going to be looking fantastic at the Indian Wells tournament. Yes. And then unlike the men who we spoke about last week, that they're missing, we're missing Nadal, Djokovic, yeah. all these people. The only person of note that's missing Indian Wells is Annette Kontavit. Yeah. Everybody else, top 10, they're all there at Indian Wells. Yeah. So women's tennis is definitely representing for sure. Moving on, we have uh, Gael Monfils. He hasn't played in a while, and he made his return to Indian Wells this year. He's been off for at least a year, Yeah. maybe a little longer. He did lose today, but what are your thoughts on Gael Monfils coming back? Um, very excited about it. Very disappointed, but also not surprised that today he drew what I would consider a bit of a tough match for himself on a first day back in Jordan Thompson. And, you know, it is what it is. He lost, but I will say this. I watched the highlights. He looked like Gael Monfils. He looked like himself. So I'd expect him to, excuse me, um, do pretty well. You know, in his comeback, he looks healthy. He's hitting the ball well. And I think that he'll just have to work out the kinks and find his rhythm because he's such a rhythmic player. He's a feel player. He works off of momentums and vibes and energy. He's definitely not the workhorse, train, drill sergeant kind of guy. And so it's going to take him time to find his balance and get back to what he was doing before. Yes, I agree. He's very exciting to watch. If you're, uh, he's probably one of the fastest players on tour. Oh, for sure. Uh, he's a human highlight reel. Yeah. So he would definitely get you into tennis if you're not. If this is your first time uh, uh, seeing it, for sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're gonna move on to uh, a little bit of Djokovic news. Mm. Now uh, he was denied Indian Wells mm. um, entry. Uh, James Blake tried to get him to go to. Uh, Miami. He is the director in Miami. Mm-hmm. He tried to say, you know, if Djokovic comes, uh, people are going to come. It's going to be good for tourism. It's going to be good for the restaurants. Yeah. Uh, and it appears that it's a no-go. Wow. Are you shocked by that? So he may play at the, not he may, the restrictions will be lifted so he will be at the U.S. Open. Are you a yeah. little disappointed he won't be in Miami or Indian Wells? No. Uh, I think we've slightly discussed this before, but we know that the the calendar official release by the United States won't allow anything pre-May 11th to permit him to enter the country. So moving forward after May 11th is when we should expect him to be able to play in whatever he wants. So for now, I was totally unsurprised that he didn't make it to either event. Disappointed, but unsurprised. Yes, I agree there for sure. Um, now a little bit more Djokovic news. Uh, this is going to be the last turn, the last year in Belgrade. As you know, he has a, his a brother is the director in Belgrade. They played a, a clay event there. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, they are using uh, somebody else's license. 
so they're leasing that license mm-hmm. and they don't have the backing the 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 person that has the license doesn't want to sell it mm-hmm. and and it's a lot of political fiasco to go through the ATP to really? get the license so this is so this most likely will be the last year of the Belgrade Open hmm. uh what are your thoughts on that man that is insane the logistics of holding a tournament can get really tricky when you don't own your own venue or have the license to your own venue and i haven't heard of something like that happening in a really long time so it's pretty surprising you know we're so used to the luxuries of an indian wells where larry ellison kind of just does what he wants with the facility um hearing about this happening on a event that's almost in its infancy in my opinion this is pretty surprising it's disappointing to hear yeah so the the event wasn't bad. There was a, a fairly good play there. Yeah. So it is a little disappointing. Yeah, Djokovic was fairly committed to it, and if I remember correctly, he he was upset at the last one. Yes. Yeah. So that that in itself is an exciting piece of news. It would make me want to go back to that event. Exactly. So moving on, we have a Medvedev news. Now he has been on a tear mm-hmm. after the Australian Open defeat to Korda. He's been thirteen and zero. He's mm. won three titles in a row. Crazy. Three titles in three weeks. Three titles in three weeks. And he beat the immovable object, the Australian Open champion who has started the year at 12-0, mm-hmm. Novak Djokovic. What are your thoughts on Medvedev's uh, three straight title wins? And are you shocked that he beat Djokovic? I am shocked that he beat Djokovic. That is honestly probably one of the most startling match results of the year for me. Mostly because seeing him come off of the quarter loss, I just didn't expect him to take out someone like Djokovic casually like that. You know, it was a pretty good quality win for him. And on top of that, it just looks like he's a major threat at Indian Wells now to me. He seems hyper-focused. He seems like the emotions and things he was going through with the little boy inside the, you know, the whole, no, oh, geez, <laughs> it seems like he's put all that behind him and he's really dialed in right now. He's playing some insane tennis insane tennis he is getting to balls and hitting shots that would make me rip my hair out for sure yes for sure and uh i'm actually shocked as well because uh in the tournament when when uh corda prior to the australian open uh djokovic played medvedev then corda corda looked better against djokovic than medvedev did yeah uh djokovic smoked medvedev yeah so the fact that he was able to get a win here was very impressive yeah now here uh, Medvedev is five and three against Djokovic when he when Djokovic is the number one player in the world. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that stat? It's funny that you say that because someone recently told me that Medvedev had a winning record on Djokovic, and I said no, he doesn't. But when you say number one, he has a losing record to Medvedev when he's number one in the world. Correct. That's a very interesting stat, and I like it. It makes me think that maybe Medvedev works a little bit harder focuses a little more comes in a little more um intense in that situation and he has uh joined a very selective group yes he has so uh the most wins against djokovic when djokovic is the number one player in the world medvedev has five murray has five federer has five and nadal has ten Wow. Do you have anything to say about that stat? He's in company of legends. And honestly, I don't think it's any coincidence. I do think that Medvedev is destined to have an incredible career. And he should be one of the least ignored out of all of the the generation he comes from. He He's demanding respect no matter what you think of his game. 
the guy is a monster. So I think no one wanted him to be the chosen one because of the way his game looks. But he's demanding your respect big time. Oh, yes, big time. And then uh, he is also uh, seventh, sorry, sixth in the uh, list amongst uh, active player with the most titles. Mm-hmm. He has 18. Asvera has 19. Chilich has 20. Now, <laughs> Chilich is not at the Indian Wells because he's injured. Mm-hmm. Then you have Murray with 46 and then the massive gap. Yeah. Nadal, 92. Djokovic, 93. Yeah. So are you uh, impressed that Medvedev is number six among active players with 18 titles? Yeah, absolutely. Especially because the top three are guys who've been on the tour for almost 20 years. You know, we're talking about Marin Cilic, Annie Murray and Djokovic, Nadal. Those guys have been competing in tournaments since 2005, 2006, 2010. You know, so they've got well over a decade of a head start so he's in a list with once again incredible company and Zverev has seemingly slowed down quite a bit compared to how many tournaments per year he was collecting prior so yeah Medvedev is making a big run right now I think he's got a lot of momentum and he is by far the biggest threat on the tour from that generation of players yes I agree now going to Acapulco we have uh the final there was Tommy Paul and uh Alex Diminor yeah, Diminor ended up winning, mm-hmm. but the impressive thing is that Tommy Paul keeps making a little bit of noise. Yeah, he made it to the, I believe it was the semifinals of the Australian Open, mm-hmm. and now he made it to the losing to Djokovic yeah. badly, and then he made it to the finals of Acapulco. Yeah, now I honestly, I'm not a. It's not that I'm a big fan of this game, but I feel that there's something missing in his game. Absolutely, but he keeps making finals deep runs in grand slams yeah are you impressed by tommy paul at all absolutely i agree with you there's something missing in his game but what's not missing and is actually the strong point of his game is his ability to anticipate and move he is making a lot of players frustrated because he just keeps getting to another shot you've got to hit so many winners to beat tommy paul that's what's separating him from a lot of the other guys they lose patience and in in five sets it seems like he's never not present to make you hit another winner. So I think that that's what's separating him from the other guys who are, in my opinion, kind of the the rest of the guys on the tour. Um, those guys that have a complete game, they have all the shots, they're consistent, but they just don't really have that weapon. You know, they don't have something to hurt the other guys who have everything as well. Think of it this way. When he played Djokovic, isn't Tommy Paul just a Djokovic with less of everything? Yes, you know that makes sense. You know, so in what I say that to say it's the reason he hasn't got to that next class of players that we talk about. The serve's not massive, the forehand's not violent, the backhand is just steady, the slice is not super penetrating, and he's not coming forward to the net super aggressively. There's nothing really to disturb the momentum of a great, great athlete on the tour. So I don't see him surpassing where he's at now, but I also think that he'll be here for a while. Yes, uh, and uh He's among the Americans that are making some noise. So yeah. it is fairly impressive to see that yeah. and carry the torch. And now the big movers of the week. So Nicholas Jari, who, interesting story here, he moved up 35 places to number 52 in the world. Okay. Now he had a big clay court South American swing hmm. and he had a very, very a controversial match with Schwartzman. Now, if you're not aware of uh, South Americans, uh, Argentinians, Chileans, Brazilians, 
of especially Argentinian uh, Brazilians, um, Argentinian Chileans, they really don't like each other. Yeah. So Schwartzman, Argentinian, Jari, Chilean, uh, they're playing in Chile. Uh, Schwartzman had to be escorted out of the stadium because <laughs> little he was, Schwartzman. He, little Schwartzman because he was questioning calls. Mm. He was questioning the coaches. Uh, Jari's coach for uh, talking during points and and trying to influence mm. calls and Schwartzman had to be escorted off with uh, security. Jeez. So that was extremely interesting. Uh, and you, do you have any thoughts on that? That's crazy because he's such a small, upbeat guy. <laughs> to hear that he's that fired up and angry is outrageous. Um, I've I've got this thing going where I keep seeing pros in person and going, "That's a big guy." He's bigger than I thought. Shortspin's the one guy I'm not going to say oh, that. No, either. no, <laughs> no. I'm not going to say too much because I'm not trying to be disrespectful. But he's definitely not a large guy when you see him in person. No, he's not. And honestly, part of that makes it amazing that he does what he does on the tour too. Exactly. I don't know how he accomplishes what he does, but you know, more power to him. Yeah, he's a great athlete for sure. Excuse me. Then you have Tommy Paul. With his uh, Acapulco run, he is up four spots, and he's in the top 20. Nice. You have Holger Rune. He is in the top eight now. Mm. Uh, Medvedev went up a spot to number six. Mm. And then the big move was uh, Diminor winning Acapulco. He is now in the top 20. He is at number 18 in the world. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, Any thoughts on that? I love Diminor. I'm a big Diminor fan. I've always thought that he plays the way I would think Diego Schwartzman plays. But he's like six foot. So I've always thought Diminor was just a really... He's a scrappy slap shot counter puncher. But he's built like a traditional pro tennis player should be built. So I still haven't seen him play in person. But that's one of those guys I'm really excited to check out his game and figure it out. Because I find it so interesting that he plays a small man's game. But has a, a larger frame. Yes. So... Yeah, that's interesting. I'm glad he's getting further. He's had some of the matches of the year almost in some years. I know he had an incredible run at ATP Cup at one point. He's beaten some big names at ATP Cup in the past. And he's a great athlete overall that just hasn't put together a solid extended run on the tour. So him getting better seating and ranking will hopefully make that difference he needs. Yes, he's definitely uh, um, getting a higher seating. So that's going to help him out a lot. Yeah. Now, I have a little bit of Zverev news. Mm. He had a, a, a deep run in Dubai. And then in his uh, press conference, he decided to talk a little bit of trash. Mm. He was saying that if he hadn't have gotten injured again in the Roland Garros uh, uh, match against Nadal, he would have won. He mm. said he, he was in his head. He would have won. Mm. He did beat Alcaraz mm-hmm. in the match before. Yeah. Are you buying what Zverev is selling? Listen, Zverev is a very funny guy because he's always making these gigantic hot takes unprovoked. No one asked him for these statements. No one is asking him to make these prophetic statements he makes. But if you do remember, he announced Alcaraz's U.S. Open success and it came true. And you know what else he announced? Rafael Nadal will retire after this French Open. Right. That's what he said. And Nadal replied back, I don't even know that guy. Yeah, you don't know me. (laughs) He was like, you don't even know me. So now I'm like, okay, he announced that. It hasn't come yet, so we don't know if it's true or not. But now he's also announcing this. Can he go three for three? Can he be the prophet? 
Well, if he's right, as I stated before, next time he makes a profit, I'm betting on it. Yeah. So we will never know about the, you know, the hindsight is 2020. We'll, we'll never know what was really the reality. All we can say is he was injured. But I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with, I'll say this. If Nadal retires at the French Open, I believe that he was going to beat Nadal in that match. I'm giving him the credit. Okay. So right. I'm looking forward to it. And I think that we should, moving forward, always have a special where we go Zverev's prophecies and announce whatever he announced. Because he does this very often. Yes, he does. He does, for sure. Now, uh, I skipped the part, but during the Medvedev win over Rublev, mm-hmm. uh, Medvedev uh, spent his time on the congratulations speech mm. talking about sissy pass oh and he didn't say his name but he i didn't remember say that. his name yeah. yes he was talking about how sissy pass was talking trash about rublev yeah and how uh rublev is one dimensional and yeah. it's just a flat player and medved is starting to say uh hopefully he can beat that guy who said it many many times and i wish this for sure yeah, and he kept saying that over and over about Rublev, mm-hmm. and we we know that yeah. it's Sissipas. Yeah, what do you think about Medvedev calling him out without saying his name? Um, say his name, bro. That's my first thought. But secondly, it is interesting because Rublev is—he's not one-dimensional. He's linear, right? And those are two very different things. He does have a complete game. He is a great player. He does have a, weapons. I would ra- rather be Rublev than Tommy Paul. Tommy Paul is not one-dimensional. You know what I mean? So I think that calling him one-dimensional is very misleading. And I think that what he means to say is that he lacks certain angles in his game. Right. Which, that will put a ceiling on how far you can go. Yes, That's you true. have to open up the court in the men's game for sure. Yeah, so that is true. But, I mean... Burdich was the gatekeeper of the big, the top five rankings right. for five or six years. Easily. You know, so it is possible to be extremely successful. And there was a period in time that it was thought it could be Zverev in the same position. Right. Uh, we thought he might be a little too linear, and he's fixed that. But, you know, I I find it interesting because CeCePa, to me, is still struggling to figure out how to win the big matches in general. But he's very critical of guys who are getting to the same places he is, semifinals and quarters. Yes. You know, so outside of CeCePa having a few more finals than Rublev, they're not too far apart to me on the tour. Yeah, CeCePa has a lot of holes himself. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what his beef is calling out people, but, you know, whatever floats his boat. Yeah. Now Djokovic made another um, historic uh, record in his career. He becomes the first man in the open era to win at least 20 matches in a row for the 10th different time in his career. Oh, my gosh. What are your thoughts on that stat? That's a ridiculous stat, for sure. Um, Just speaks to the dominance. Speaks to the consistent dominance. And, I mean, we can almost bring up eras of the Novak dominance. We The first one that comes to mind is, of course, 2011, 2015. You know, there and last year, you know, last year counts, and he barely played. You know, so... Yeah, I don't think that anyone else has records in the universe of those for him. So, no. You know, it's it's amazing. Yes, uh, uh, that is a definitely an amazing uh, uh, record, and it shows the dominance that he's had while he's been at the top of the game, mm-hmm. for sure. Now, he did make a statement that he will play in the 2024 Olympics. It's mm-hmm. going to be in France. 
it's going to be at Roland Garros. So he said <sighs> it's going to be played at Roland Garros. I'm very familiar with these grounds, and I believe I have a really good shot to win the gold medal. What are your thoughts on that? I agree. I agree 100%. But here's the thing. The Olympics is very, very, very similar to the U.S. Open in that because the atmosphere is so chaotic and the crowd and the the scenery is so non-tennis culture, we start to see results that we're not used to seeing. And I think the Olympics is a more extreme version of that. You know, it's a very crazy atmosphere there and it affects the players. Right. And it's not an ATP ran event per se, which means that certain rules are different. So I I do agree that he's a favorite at a an event held at Roland Garros, but the Olympics is different. It's two out of three. Yeah, uh, that's where he struggles a little more than the three out of five. Yeah, uh, there are more clay court specialists. Yeah, uh, Alcaraz most likely is going to be there. Yeah, if Nadal is not there, then. Uh, Djokovic would be a, a favorite for sure. Yeah. Now, he did dismiss that. After his Dubai uh, championship, or sorry, uh, runner-up spot, I don't know why, but people just wanted to attack Nadal at Dubai for sure. Novak Djokovic said, Nadal is not unbeatable at the French Open. Mm. This was after his defeat to Medvedev. He said, if Nadal was unbeatable, then I wouldn't be playing tennis. But he is beatable, so that's why I'm playing tennis. And I know I can beat him. Oh, my goodness. What are your thoughts on Djokovic calling out Nadal? It's a little confusing for me because that statement doesn't need to be made. You know, we know that Nadal can be beaten, and it is possible. What is agreed upon with all of the tennis culture in the world is that one of the greatest athletic feats in all sports is trying to beat Nadal at Roland Garros. That is one of the most difficult things in all of sports. So, I mean, this is off topic, but beating John Jones in an octagon might be getting close now. Yes. But uh, for now, Nadal does own that feat. So, yeah, I don't understand why people are creating a narrative and fighting against it when Nadal's never said that. No. no. Nadal's just sitting at home on the couch like, what? Did someone shoot another shot at me? <laughs> you know, so it's a little funny that Nadal takes a lot of chinks because... Clearly, he's living in people's minds rent-free. Clearly. Exactly. Uh, and, and maybe it's just something to fuel him. He he did just lose. It's his first loss. Yeah. Maybe he was a little upset and saying, hey, my big goal is to win the French Open. And maybe he's saying, and I want to beat Nadal while doing it. Yeah. So I guess there's no bigger thing in sports than to do that. Mm-hmm. And then the last topic, which is a very interesting one. Pam Shriver made some controversial topic, uh, uh, controversial statements. I apologize. Mm. She said that it's better to take a percentage of total weeks at number one mm. than the current formula. So let's say, for example, let's say a player played less time than another player, mm-hmm. and they were oh. more times, more spots in the number one spot. Yeah, aren't they more dominant? So Steffi mm. Groff. Um, played slightly less than Djokovic has right now. Yeah. The, hence the statement. Yeah. So Djokovic has played slightly longer. Mm-hmm. So Shriver said, I don't know. I don't know if it's fair to say that Djokovic is more dominant than Steffi Groff was for total weeks when she played a little bit less yeah. than Djokovic. 
was that controversial to you? Um, I don't know if controversial is the word, but it's very interesting. It's a very interesting statement because now you're taking away credibility from someone who has more longevity than you. Whose fault is that really? Um, players who choose to diet a certain way, protect their fitness a certain way, invest in their body a certain way and make different sacrifices than you should not be penalized because they lasted longer than you. Um, on top of that, I think that Djokovic's percentage, um, if we switch to percentage, you got to remember the first quarter of Djokovic's career was not dominant. Not good. You know, um, so is it really unfair? You know, I don't think so. I think that it is very cool, though, to look and read those statistics because we do have the Del Potros of the world. Um, you know, some of the people who just their body just did not hold up the way it should have. And I'd like to see percentage wise how dominant were they when they were healthy. Um, and maybe that gives us better perspective on where they could have been. And then we could stretch that number out and go, OK, in theory, if he stayed at that level of health, how would he have done over 20 years? Yes. You know, those are awesome statistics, but they shouldn't hold that much weight. I like the way it's done now better. Yes. So, you know, I don't I don't think. She, Steffi Graf to me, I mean, if you want to get super technical, let's talk about how many rivals she had and what happened to Monica her rivals. Sellis. Was Monica Sellis more dominant than Steffi Graf? Uh, she was starting to be. Yeah, you know, so it's it's just things like that for me where, you know, we can, we can nitpick at the era, who are your rivals, who else was playing to talk about quote unquote dominance. You know, we should not um, take away from Andy Murray's quote unquote dominance Unless we're going to talk about the fact that he shared his era with Roger Federer, Djokovic, and Nadal. Right. You know, maybe Andy Murray is more dominant than Steffi Graf if he's not sharing his era with three goats. You know, and who all was she sharing hers with, Steffi Graf? Yeah, with Monica Seles gone, um, Arantxa Sanchez, Vicario, there really, there really wasn't a lot with, yeah, uh, with you know, uh, uh, Monica Seles not there. Yeah, so my question... If this is just me being hypothetical here, but who would you consider more dominant, Andy Murray or her? Yeah, that that's a fair question with uh especially with Murray having to play stiffer competition. Yeah, if you yeah. if you take if you look at it that way, that makes sense as well. Yeah, I'm just just creating ideas. Yes. Now, uh it would be interesting if you were to do it the way Pam Shriver stated. Yeah. That'd be extremely interesting as well because I'd love to read that. Yes, because if you look at it the way she said it, you're also saying you've been playing this long and been dominant for so long. Yeah. So that's also a really good way mm. to look at it because it's as you brought up, Djokovic was not dominant the first six years of his career. Yeah. So the fact that Steffi Graf was a little more mm. does make sense as well. So it, mm -hmm. it is an interesting viewpoint. Yeah. So is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, there is. Breakpoint has announced season two. Um. I will say this. I don't know if they're going to be filming at Indian Wells this year or not. I haven't seen them, but they're filming as well. So that'll be interesting. And what are your thoughts on that? How did you feel about Breakpoint Season 1? I know it got a little flack, but I thought there were some bright points. And let me also say this. I took a visit to Indian Wells. I told you who I saw. Yes. Tanasi Kokonakis, right? Yes. People in the crowd said, that's Kyrgios' best friend from the documentary. They watched Breakpoint. And they probably wouldn't have known him if it wasn't for that. Exactly. So they didn't say, 
that's a Grand Slam winner down there. They didn't say that. <laughs> they said, that's the guy from Netflix. <laughs> you know, so that lets me know that maybe it is creating some exposure for these players, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Um, I would love to maybe get a closer look at the Jabors and stuff like that and see what their crowd and fan base is looking like. Um, obviously, people like Tiafo and Kyrios have a fan base from their tennis already. Yes. But some of these other players who are great players, I don't know how big their base was prior. The Netflix documentary to me was a little just stale. Uh, I, I will give it a, a shot. Hopefully it gets a little better, picks up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the fact that people know who certain people are because of the people that they hang out with, yeah, that's for sure uh, a good thing. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I did want to, before the tournament gets any deeper, ask you if you have any predictions. Oh, geez. All right. Well, um I'm liking I'm liking Alcaraz. Uh, he has come off a little injury, mm-hmm. so um, that'd be. I'm still picking. I'm still going with him. Uh, I like to see how far Murray can get with mm-hmm. all his uh, latest victories, and he's really showing a lot mm-hmm. uh, there. Uh, as far as the women are concerned, as I stated, all of them are there. So that's going to be the Wild West right there. And yeah. Iga now has competition with even Krishkova and Pagula and Sabalenka. Sabalenka has new hope. She's fixed her serve. She's just won a Grand Slam. Mm-hmm. So she's coming off of a lot of uh, energy and just positive energy. So it's going to be a good WTA uh, Indian Wells for sure. Do you predict um, Do you predict that uh, Medvedev... I think Medvedev and Alcaraz are on the same side of the bracket? It's I, possible. I haven't... I think they are. If they are, do you predict them being in the semifinal? I can see that. Yeah? Yes. And that would be a very good match. I think that those are my top two picks to win the whole thing. Um, With that being said, the number two seed is Sisipa. The number one seed is Carlos Alcaraz. Um, This is going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Do you think that Taylor Fritz can make a deep run to protect some points from his uh, victory last year? I haven't taken a good look at his route to the final. But what I can say is that he does not seem to be playing poorly. So with a good enough draw, I definitely expect him to get to the quarterfinals. Um, I know that he's not playing bad tennis, but I also know that Yannick Sinner, Felix Aljaliasim, Sisipa, these guys are going to be more trouble for him. So he's going to need a good draw where he doesn't have to face any of those heavyweight younger guys before the third round. And Indian Wells is it's grittier. Yeah. So it will favor Sissy Pass for sure. Yeah, for sure. So uh, is there anything else? Um. Oh, my my women's prediction. Whew. Um. Honestly, I, I don't even know if I have one. I don't think I have one. I'm going to... I'm going to... I'm going to go... I'm going to go Sabalenka. Okay, I'm gonna go Sabalink. That, that's a that's a good pick. I like it. Yeah, it's on it's on the right side of the bracket. Yes, that's my only reason. So yeah, I'm gonna go Sabalenka there. Um, I'm going to make the the hot take that Iga doesn't get past the third round. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And this is coming from a guy who adores and loves her. Okay. Okay. So, let me put that in the air as well. Cause I, I don't want to see her lose, but you know we're here to make some dramatic controversial takes. So. Okay. Um, that's my thoughts there. Um, outside of that, I feel like I had some other things to bring up, but I don't remember them anymore. Okay. 
so uh, we'll just end it with your hot take on Higa. Alright. So with that, I hope you guys were entertained.